I smell fried fish. Mmm. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick, and they're selling here uh, fresh fish, fried or even pickled, like the uh, uh, herrings that they love here in the Netherlands, where it's not really fried or, or cooked. It's raw, but because of the interaction with the salt, they, added to, they add a lot of salt to it, it stays good and you can eat it raw. Um, an acquired taste for many people. <laughs> what a week this is. I'm walking around on one of the rare, calmer mornings of this week. I'm currently batch producing my TV show and we're uh, trying to produce at least three or four episodes per week that's just filming though <laughs> editing is a whole other story but I'm, I've started to uh, to work on uh, at least one episode and I've written already the voiceover texts for basically everything we filmed right now and I'm super happy that I'm doing this right now it is exhausting because every episode involves Uh, a day of filming plus travel um, and because there's such a, uh, a, a fast sequence of, of production you hardly have time to recover afterwards and this is something I noticed two days ago when I had one day between uh, the, the first episode of this week and then the second one and I was first of all I was completely wiped out <laughs> and then I tried to squeeze way too much out of that one day that I didn't have to go film, uh, which resulted in me going to bed at three o'clock in the morning. And of course, that was the worst thing I could do because the next day I was very tired and I still had to perform. Oh, well, there's a, a, a nice fountain here. I've never walked this path. This is very close to the city center of Wageningen, where I'm still staying at Father Henry's rectory. This is a park that surrounds a few buildings that I think belong to the Agricultural University. They have a campus not far from here, but there are also some of the buildings here in the city center. And there's a park that surrounds these newer buildings. And uh, there's a pond here on my left where I see water birds and uh, water lilies and a fountain. It's nice. Really enjoying the atmosphere in the city now that uh, the rules have been loosened a little bit things are going really really well in the Netherlands when it comes to vaccination and the effects it has on uh, the amount of people that well avoid being <laughs> being infected um, there are some worries about uh, a, another spike after the summer vacation when especially younger people that have not been vaccinated will return from Spain and Portugal where the Delta variant is uh, still rampant. So we're kind of bracing ourselves for what's to come after the summertime. However, apparently even though the Delta variant is much more aggressive than previous variants of the, of the virus, it will still um, be probably suppressed quite a bit by the vaccinations. Uh, they may not stop any infection but it does mitigate the effects and uh, it will lower the risk of people getting infected so i'm just hoping that um 
we're not going to get another wave after the summer holiday like last year. We'll just stay prudent. But life is more or less returning to normal. Um, I think a week from now, the face masks won't be compulsory anymore. So that is going to, uh, I don't know, make it feel more normal. (laughs) And to be honest, especially when it's warm outside and you have to work, like me when I'm filming, I have to do a lot of walking and it's high energy. Uh, Wearing a face mask is super fatiguing uh, because it's still, it's harder to breathe. And, uh, and then I have to put it on, take it off, put it on, take it off a hundred million times a day. <laughs> uh, on camera, I, I, I take off the mask um, because this, these episodes will be aired. Wait a minute, this is a dead end, I think. <laughs> I was following a path, but this used to be probably uh, a square, but I think they gave it back to nature. <laughs> Let me retrace my steps here. Um, so the, all these episodes will be aired in, um, in the fall, starting in September. And the two episodes that I filmed this week will be aired in October, I think. So I just want to make them a little bit more timeless. Plus, often, like is the case right now, uh, you'll get uh, repeats of the episodes uh, during, uh, during the vacation. Let me see. Let me go left here. Um, so... Yeah, you don't want them to be too much tied to this particular time in history. Even though the, the themes of how to kind of uh, do things differently after the pandemic and during the pandemic is still a recurring theme in most of the interviews that I do. But I'm, overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy that uh, we're making good progress. By the end of this week, we'll be halfway when it comes to the episodes that I produced together with uh, Hugo Um, and then I have three more episodes that I can probably uh, make out of or or produce from from existing material in my archives. I'm looking forward to being done with traveling (laughs) and even though it's you know it's the episodes themselves are not that complicated Uh, they're all pre-produced Hugo has already talked with the people that we're going to meet we know more or less what we need to film but it's still a lot of it is improvisation I just ask questions I often submit myself to whatever is happening in that location and so that that does require a lot of uh, mental energy so having just one day to recharge is uh, usually not enough and today is even worse because I'm about to travel to the south of the country for two days of filming uh, at the Passion event in uh, Tegelen, which is a small town, basically translates as tiles in English. Um, and they have a, a very old tradition of performing um, a play, an open air play, with hundreds and hundreds of actors um, so, uh, around the events of the Passion, the crucif- crucifixion, and the resurrection of Christ. Um, they've been doing this for decades, if not centuries. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I'm sure they can tell me. And um, uh, because of Corona, the event has been cancelled, postponed twice already. This is like a, every five years they do this. And so for more than a year and a half, I think, they've, they've been waiting for uh, the moment that they can 
uh, hold this event and they will basically perform the story of the passion every single day for a month. Um, and it's huge. It attracts tens of thousands of people. So they had to completely replan everything um, in these corona times and make sure that the public can be safe, but also the actors and the, the whole... I mean, how can you rehearse with hundreds of people while at the same time you have to wear masks and keep your distance? It, it's been a gargantuan uh, operation. But they were super motivated to make it happen, and now it's finally here in the middle of the summertime, which is really not a time that most people associate with uh, uh, the events of the Passion of the Christ. But um, I think it's, it's much more important for them to uh, continue this tradition instead of completely canceling it and wait for another five years. But yesterday I was also filming an entire day at the Cathedral Choir School in Utrecht, which was also pretty exhausting. But um, turned out well. So I only have this morning to uh, kind of recharge my batteries, but it feels like I'm plugging in my phone for just like half an hour. You know, where you're at 20% and then you plug it in and <laughs> you barely have time to get it all the way up to like 48%. And then you just hope that you'll make it until the end of the day by very, very carefully distributing your energy. One of the things that I chose to do this morning is to invest a little bit of that energy into recording the walk, especially because for, you know, these next two days I will be too busy and I want to keep the output going. Um, there was one episode that we filmed that really had a personal impact on me. Um, and that was the episode that we filmed in a former monastery in Diepenveen, which is close to the city of Deventer. There used to be an old uh, Trappist monastery there. The building is still there, but the monks have moved away. Um, the community had, had uh, shrunk quite substantially. The monks were old, and some of them went to a retirement home, needed more care. And the few remaining monks that were still able to continue their life didn't feel comfortable living in a monastery that was built for hundreds of people. And so they sold the premises to a new community, um, and moved with the remaining monks to an island. We have a few tiny islands in the north of the country. And so they went there. Those islands are very calm. Um, there are just a few roads and a tiny little town. And they built a new monastery. And that's where they continue their life of contemplation and silence. But this older, big monastery where they had been living for almost two centuries was basically sold and initially of course lots of people wanted to buy it especially these entrepreneurs that want to create like office buildings or it's a wonderful place it's in the middle of nature very calm very beautiful the building itself is very well done and has been maintained reasonably well too so very attractive proposition for many buyers but then there was this one guy who had been going to the monks for years. Uh, as a child, he already uh, came to pray there and went to Mass with his parents. 
um, when he was young, and he just hated the idea that this place would no longer be um, a place for prayer and silence and contemplation and living close to nature, etc. So he, he was like, okay, I, I need to invest in this. We need to find the funds to buy this building and start something, start a community that can continue the charism of the monks, but also make it viable for the future. Try to find new ways to uh, open this up to people that maybe not be called to uh, monastic life, but are still in, in great need of silence and contemplation and, um, and balance. So that's what he did. Uh, and to my surprise, there is actually a vibrant community there of uh, a number of couples that live there with their children, so a few families, uh, but also I think seven or eight young people, like student age, that live a, a life that is very much um, divided by the, the, the original liturgy of the hour, so the, this rhythm of prayer that starts in the morning and ends at night, and uh, five times a day they all gather in the chapel, the former chapel of the, of the monks, to pray, and uh, sometimes it's just silence. They get together and people also from outside, from the, the area, gather there to, to pray with the community. Um, it's not just a Catholic community. There are also a few inhabitants there from Protestant backgrounds or even kind of like they don't even know exactly what they are yet. But they feel called to this life of silence. And it's very much a community that is um, still listening to... I, I think listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, what are what do we need to be? What is our mission? What is our vocation? How how will this um, evolve? And I, of course, I like those processes. Uh, th this is uh, where am I actually? I'm walking alongside a, a road here. Oh, maybe this is the road around the city center. That's probably it. So they try to keep the cars out of the city center of Wageningen. And then the, they created a ring around the city. And this, that's probably this road. I'm still kind of trying to find my... <laughs> to, to, to get used to orient myself in this new environment. What was interesting was that um, I was welcomed there by a couple. Uh, young people. Um, and they moved into that community two years ago. They both had a formation as personal coaches, but they and they are from a Protestant background, but they felt so called to live this calm, quiet life of prayer and close to nature and they they now live together in um, the house of, of um, a hermit who used to live there alongside the monks didn't participate in the monastic life of the monks, but he also moved away when uh, the monks left. And now this couple lives in that little house a, a bit away from the monastery in the middle of beautiful uh, fields of wheat. It was just a, an amazing uh, environment. So quiet, so calm. You don't hear the cars like I hear right now. Uh, it's just birds and the rustling of the, of the leaves of the trees. It was absolutely gorgeous. The weather was nice when we filmed there. 
and it started to affect me as well. They organize um, retreats for people, uh, but not the classical retreats where, you know, a few times a day uh, you come together around a, a Bible text and meditate upon that. But they wanted to create a retreat for people that they, have, they met and meet oftentimes in their work as coaches um, that are overworked, people that are suffering burnout symptoms. And they, felt, they feel like the format of a retreat is very, very um, useful for people in that situation to rediscover where they are in life and what truly matters and what can help them. Uh, so it's a very personalized type of retreat. And I actually asked them, can I follow one of those retreats? Can we do at least the first day of such a retreat? Because I think this is a wonderful way of connecting the past to the future or to the present uh, and catering to the need that so many people in our society have to rediscover a, a let's say, humane rhythm of life instead of this rat race that we're often uh, a part of. And personally, myself, I also feel the effects of that lifestyle, um, especially now that I have to work so hard and there are so many things going on in my life. I notice, I know, and I notice that it starts to affect my mental balance, my prayer life, but also my physical condition. I've just recently started to train for the marathon, but that was right in time because I was getting so heavy and my overall condition was so bad and I, it started to, to Im impact almost everything. And I, I was at one point, I was, enough is enough. I need to break this cycle that is a bit self-destructive. You know, when, you're, when you have so much on your mind, there's so much... Uh, going differently from what you expect, uh, there is. We often try to numb that stress, and and we. So you start to overeat, or to snack, or to uh, watch a lot of TV while you should actually be going to bed early. Um, this this total uh, misalignment of what I truly need and what I what I ingest and what I do uh, was was trying was starting to to uh to to cause havoc and so i felt that i you know it was time for maybe just do a reboot a restart as i explained i think last week and uh what was interesting was that the first the first aspect of that retreat was um well we started with prayer it's just this uh, this uh silent prayer in the chapel with the entire community and then I had to do a test, which was very simple. I had to fill in a, a form with lots of questions about my, my, the rhythm of my life, uh, where I felt I needed help, um, how I was eating, how much, I was spend, how much time I was spending on physical exercise, on relaxation, me time, <laughs> silence, that sort of stuff. There was also a physical aspect to it where they um, they put you on this, this this these scales and you have to hold like a metal bar which sends some electricity I think through your body <laughs> and it can measure quite precisely this was more of a medical scale um, you know how your current the current composition of your of your body 
So an amount of muscle, amount of fat, amount of, how do you call that, In, intra, the, the fat around your organs. Um, uh, we also measured heartbeat, uh, recovery time, you know, how much time do you need to recover from strenuous exercise. The results were not good. I was seriously a bit taken aback. Uh, and maybe because I'd been working out and, and, and running for a week, some, <laughs> some part of my mind told me, oh, you're fine, you're, you're healthy now, you're back to running, uh, nothing wrong. Well, turns out you don't, re you don't reverse, you don't fix the problems that were caused by, you know, this year and a half of... of uh, of the pandemic and, uh, and the total disruption of my life on so many levels, you don't fix that in a, in a week. Um, that was a bit naive of me to think that. And so especially, I was especially alarmed by um, the amount uh, or the, the little amount of muscle. Um, so that was very low on the scale. And uh, the, the, the guy just, Imre, uh, that's his name. He asked me if I ever did like strength exercises, and I said no. I actually really hate that. <laughs> it's something I don't know how to do myself. And he said, "Well, that's that's showing in your in your in the, your data. You have almost no muscle left, and <laughs> at the same time, you're still pretty. Uh, you're too heavy for your uh, for your size. Something I already knew. And then the other number that was quite alarming was the." Uh, amount of fat around my organs so that's not just belly fat of which I also have a bit too much but it's this internal kind of layer of, of fat that has accumulated over time and is even more dangerous than, than you know other fat that's more visible because this can actually cause malfunctioning of your organs uh, can clog up your arteries and that was too high it was well not like immediate uh, you know, uh, a red alert, but still um, something to absolutely take care of. And then he took me outside um, for some exercises, and most of them were uh, not cardio because that's that's something I can do. But it was strength exercises, so we had to. We went into the forest, and then we had this huge rope, super heavy black rope, that we had to tie around a tree and then I had to you know make these waves with a, something I've sometimes seen on Instagram I've seen other people do that and oh my gosh I, I would never like to be exposed to that type of torture uh, but now I had to because I I committed myself to this retreat in a certain way so that was super hard uh, with its squats and I thought I was good at doing squats but actually turns out I'm terrible at it so also that uh, just showed me how much I was out of shape but then all that exercise of course you know that was not meant to as a as training it was meant to put to, to put me at a level where they could measure how quickly I would recover from that and so right after those physical uh, strenuous exercises I was hooked up to a computer with uh, so uh, with a heartbeat. What is it like a blood pressure uh, type of? Uh, no, actually, it was a, a band around my waist um, to see if I could calm down and how much time that would take. And that was so hard. That was hard. Let me cross this bridge here. 
So I'm now in the inner city. This is the canal that surrounds the medieval part of Wageningen. Well, there's not much medieval stuff left because of the Second World War, but we still have the city walls here, and there's a nice park that surrounds this part of the of the town. So uh, I had to do some breathing exercises, and I had to constantly describe what was happening and what I was feeling. So it was very much... He also asked about, you know, things that I do to calm down, to get rid of the stress, because that was also one of the parameters that was uh, alarmingly high. It was just the amount of stress that I experienced, and I was not aware. I thought I had things under control. Turns out, not so much. Not as much as I, I as I thought I, I, I did. And so, it was very interesting to see how breathing affected the heart rate and... Every time I started to even think about... You know, the moment I became self-aware of the fact that actually someone was filming me and I was sitting there in my T-shirt and I had to come up with questions to ask, immediately the heart rate went up. And it was only at the moments where I was closing my eyes and I was fully focusing on the breathing that you could tell that my body was slowing down. But it never got down to... Um, you know, a, a total situation of rest, which is probably indicative of my current situation. Uh, too much stress, too much going on, but also probably because I was at work and it was very hard to shut that down. Wow, I got two big swans here. And they're sitting with their uh, children among the ruins of uh, the castle tower here. Near the water, one, two, three, four, five, six ducklings and two swans. I will not get closer because they are known to get very aggressive when you come to close. But it's wonderful. These these birds are going to be swim, swimming around in the canal for the rest of the year. Wonderful, wonderful. So I'm walking here through the this overgrown part of the castle ruins. Uh, and I need to already start heading back to the rectory to get ready for uh, the next two days of shooting. So um, all that made me aware of my current position, my, my basic situation, and, and totally woke me up. It was like, okay, I need to start doing this. So we, uh, we agreed to stay in contact. Um, he actually challenged me to run another marathon. I'm, I'm already signed up for the Marathon of Rotterdam in October, but two weeks later, which may actually be too quickly after the first one, there is, um, there is a marathon on Terschelling, which is another one of those northern islands uh, where the entire marathon is on the island, and it, it, apparently it's one of the most beautiful marathons to run, uh, very different from the ones in cities like Rotterdam. Um, but he also said, well, I can help you with with your training and you should focus much more on training on your heartbeat uh, which is something I know is beneficial but I haven't done that uh, very much so you know I'll, I'll probably take up that invitation because I, I know that I need to do this for myself I, afterwards now of course this you may ask yourself what has this to do with a retreat and why is this in a, done in a monastery but of course I just did the intake basically and then the rest of the week is very much about connecting with yourself 
using the silence of the monastery and eating your own food because they have a, um, what is it, a part of the garden where they grow their own food and all that. If you step away from your life for five days, you start to really see the problem areas, but also see a, a, an alternative to the lifestyle that has led you to this unhealthy, overworked situation. Um, I almost wanted to stay. I was like, this is, oh, I love this life. And it's so different from my current situation. But alas, I have to first get, you know, get my work done. And if I do it in batch, it will cost me way less energy than if I keep spreading this out over the next couple of months. But I do want to return and I do want to uh, work on the stuff that I've discovered during that day. Um, I, I was thinking on the way back, you know, what brought me to the situation and why is my, why are my stress levels so high? Even though I've gone through long COVID and I've learned already so much about calming down and distributing my energy in a better way. And I think this also has to do with something that occurred, you know, uh, last week, basically. You know that in January, the bishop allowed me to work uh, full-time in the media, but that, it, that turned out to have very dramatic consequences where I was basically ordered to leave the, the rectory where I was living uh, because they wanted to rent it for way much money than I could pay. Um, I was expelled from basically by that because I had to move. Um, oh, someone is losing uh, a piece of cloth here. Ging dat achterop of? Ja, ik heb het achterop. Oh ja. Het is nogal een zwaar. Ja, dat komt er goed. Zal ik de fiets even vasthouden? Het is een rug, een very heavy rug, which fell off the bike. So I'm holding the bike. We're putting it back. Nou, dat moet volgens mij wel gaan lukken. Ja, succes. So. Oh, as I saying, um, so I, I, the, the whole, yeah, having to move, finding, uh, trying to find a new place to stay, all the renovations of the, these past months, I was counting on having like three or four day, four weeks of, of handy work, <laughs> just repainting the house, and that would be it. We're almost three months later, and there is no end in sight. It's such a gargantuan job and in the meantime I'm camping out 90% of my stuff even including my the, the the things that I need to work is 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 stuffed away in boxes and it's pretty crippling but all that you know I kind of made my peace with that and then the just this past week I get a letter from the diocese that they want to also cut all the financial ties with me which is unsettling and, and unexpected and it was just announced like we've decided that now that you're working full-time in the media just you have to do your own business you know we don't want to be part of the financial remuneration of that I and mean, the way it worked was basically i was paid as if i was working full-time for the diocese but they would bill everything to to tridio to the foundation that i started so financially for them there was no problem. I was paying for every single dime of my, of my life. But it was much, I've, you know, even on a, how do you say that? I just find it fitting. I'm doing this work as a priest, as a diocesan priest. So it makes sense that 
you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not... That the financial administration is the same as with any other priest, even though I don't have a parish myself. But, um, and also symbolically, you know, I don't do this as a free entrepreneur. This is not my career. This is my job as a priest. And formally, the bishop has given me the mission to do this. And now all of a sudden, they don't want to bear the consequences. And I, I know it's just probably a very pragmatic decision, but it did upset me so much. Because it felt like I was being kicked out. Even though it's just administrative. But I was like, man, I don't cost the diocese anything. I've always paid my own, my own bills and, and, and made sure that I made my own living. So I've never been a burden on that level. Or at least not, not a substantial one. And now, you know, it's apparently just this tiny bit of administration is still too much. And it immediately shook my confidence you know, how oh wait a minute this is private property i shouldn't be walking here just go to the right am am i worth nothing to the diocese <laughs> there's just this, these, these recent actions that of pushing me out out of the rectory not allowing me to stay in Amersfoort, forcing me to find a new home not offering much support there a uh, conversation that i had with my bishop where i had the impression that he didn't even know what I was doing in the media uh, and of course it's just my personal impression but that's what I share here this is not a description of of maybe how it's, they perceive it because I don't know how they perceive it I, I assume it's all pragmatic I hope it's all pragmatic but to me it, it hurt me a lot it felt like okay so we're cutting you off financially you just have to do all your administration Pen- your pension we're no longer going to uh, uh, pay those those bills either, so you'll have to make, strike a new deal with the fund uh, for your for your own retirement. I was like, why? Like this is not much effort, and and still this is too much after. And I, I was like in the situation where I felt so hurt. I was like, I'm doing so much for the church, and and it's worth nothing. The only thing that you, is in your mind is how can we get rid of this, you know. Of, of, of the hassle that Father Roderick causes, it, it just was devastating. And I don't think they even realize it. But anyway, so I chose, and that's where I noticed that I've grown over time, instead of, of, of being too much affected, oh, this tree is attacking me. <laughs> Something falling from this tree, ah, hitting my head. Uh, maybe a branch or something like that. Anyway, so uh, in- instead of just sulking about this, I was like, okay, well, it is what it is. I can't change it. It's a, it's a decision that they took. I have my questions about the legality of it because, after all, I'm a diocesan priest and the diocese also has obligations towards its priest. But I'm not a canon lawyer and I'm not sure if it's worth <laughs> contesting this or going against it. Um, I'm thinking if that's what they choose to do, well, then I'll have to figure out a way to to, to organize things otherwise. Uh, but I, I deliberately chose to stay positive in this situation. You know, okay, this is a given thing. Apparently, they made up their mind. Uh, it doesn't help me to be mad about that or disappointed. I have a job to do. I have a mission to do. Formally, I'm still doing this because the bishop 
wants me to do this, no matter what he may personally you know, know about what my activities are not, formally I have this assignment, so I'll have to make it work and focus on the positive. And I know that financially, of course, it won't make a difference. It's just symbolically that it, it, it annoyed me. Um, and, uh, but anyway, that's, that's also something I just have to kind of switch that off in my mind and tell myself, well, I'm still doing uh, what I'm supposed to do. I'm following my vocation. I'm, uh, my work has an impact on people's lives. And uh, I have the resources to deal with this new unexpected situation. However, this process of rethinking and reframing this in my own mind um, is still an energy drain. It's something you have to do very deliberately. And even though I was able to recover from this new unexpected development quite quickly, I was still exhausted by it and worried and because it has a lot of consequences. We need to reorganize the entire foundation. I'm currently a member of the board. According to our um, statutes, or how you call that, those founding principles and the, the rules and regulations, I will not be able to stay a member of the board anymore uh, because I will become an employee. We need, there's so much. There's so many consequences. And this just happens after months and months of hassle because of all the other unexpected things that I had no control over. And I'm starting to get fed up with that. I was like, give me some peace. I need to do my job. And my work is so demanding. Can I just get a break? Why, why is everything uh, happening with so much pressure behind it? Like, it needs to happen now. It's like all of a sudden you get that letter out of nowhere. Isn't, isn't it? I, I noticed that I'm getting upset again. That's not good. But it is part of that roller coaster that I've been on since the beginning of the pandemic and uh, and I'm I'm pretty convinced that this is what I saw in the results of that test uh, last or this past week where it is actually taking its toll on me uh, and it is time for me to deal with that as well so it's not just something I have to do organizationally uh, you know we we need to have another board meeting and think about how to, how to proceed with this. Um, but it's also asking me to be even more conscious with the way I think, the way I talk to myself about the situation. So it's a, there has never been a time more important for positive affirmation and self-talk than now. <laughs> uh, because that really impacts my well-being and thereby also my work. So, um, but I, I know that I have to start planning in some, some times of maybe a retreat, uh, maybe an extended vacation, or I need to find my own rhythm in life because life is pushing me around like never before. <clears throat> <coughs> but I cannot change the world around me. What I can't, <coughs> excuse me, something in my throat. <coughs> ah. I think I've got some dust in my throat or something like that. Anyway, <clears throat> but what I can do is listen very well, very, very carefully to, <clears throat> to my body, work on my physical health, on my spiritual, on 
quality. <coughs> what is this? I need to drink some water. I need to work on my spiritual life and find <clears throat> some new balance in my life. Ah, wow. Okay, I'm out of breath now. You hear the bells of the church tower of the Church of St. John the Baptist, which means I'm back at the rectory. Thank you so much for <clears throat> listening to uh, this update. Thank you so much for your support. I would appreciate some prayers, not just for me, but also <clears throat> for a particular intention um, that I'm a bit worried about, <clears throat> and your prayers always help. Uh, the, that is something I can tell you. <clears throat> without the community and without your support, this life of mine would be a lot harder than, than it actually is. So thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. I'm gonna get into my car and uh, <clears throat> drink some water. <laughs> talk to you later. God bless.